Hello, and welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, a food service industry podcast by Nations Restaurant News and Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Senior Food and Beverage Editor Brett Thorne, and for this week's podcast, I uh, stayed close to home. Uh, I did a live in-person interview with my neighbor, Lane Lee, who operates Noodle Lane, a new-ish restaurant uh, in my own neighborhood of Park Slope in Brooklyn, where she is serving some of the best soup dumplings I've had in a long time, as well as a lot of stir-fried noodle dishes and fried rice and mala dried pot food and uh, a bunch of other things. I, I think as this last podcast of mine for the year, it's appropriate to keep it close to home. I think that's something that uh, a lot of people are doing these days. This is not a new uh, revelation, but uh, many of your customers commute a lot less than they used to. Uh, A lot of them are working from home most of the time, uh, as I am most days of the week. I go into the office in Midtown occasionally. Um, But uh, I think this exemplifies where the industry is going. Here in New York City, there have been uh, complaints from people in Midtown Manhattan, uh, restaurant operators and property owners and everybody else, that uh, workers need to get back into the office so they can go uh, spend money uh, in the city's main central business district, obviously. New York has a lot of business districts, but Midtown Manhattan is the main one, I guess. Um, that and Wall Street. Uh, but there's no need for many people to return to their offices uh, on a daily basis. And what this has meant is the thriving of uh, the outer boroughs, as in other cities we've seen uh, restaurants in the suburbs thrive, as uh, maybe downtown locations have become somewhat less desirable. There's still plenty of opportunity out there uh, in non-traditional locations or just, you know, in in neighborhoods where more people are spending more of their time. Uh, And so it's appropriate, I think, to have a neighbor on the podcast. This is one that I recorded live. And uh, Lane Lee is a new restaurateur. This is her first restaurant. She opened it earlier this year, and it has not been easy, Uh, but she's pushing forward, and uh, we had a really nice conversation that I hope you enjoy as much as I enjoyed having it. Please welcome Lane Lee. Say hello to Lane Lee, the owner of uh, Noodle Lane. Yes, hi. Um, thanks for, for coming. Um, thanks for having me. We're drinking some tea. We've got some barley tea. Barley tea. It's, it's light. It's kind of like a, a roasted rice tea. Yes, similar, I guess, to a Japanese hojicha, but this was probably Chinese. Or is this, it Japanese? This is, you know, barley, I don't think it's actually a, a Chinese thing. It's just, it's like a Japanese and Korean um, kind of thing, but, you know, not really Chinese, but I like it, so. Yeah, and we're in Brooklyn. We can do whatever we want. Exactly. Um, like I tell the chefs, like, there's no rules in cooking. Right. Well, in fact, uh, although this is called Noodle Lane, yeah. one of your specialties is dumplings. 
Yes. And in fact, soup dumplings. But you, if I remember correctly, you're Cantonese. That's right. And and soup dumplings are from Shanghai. Yes. So how yes. did how did that happen? Well, uh, when I when I feel first started building the restaurant, I was not going to do dumplings or soup dumplings. But those things are my son's favorite foods, and that's the only thing he would eat. And and so you know, as I was building the restaurant, I built the kitchen, I designed the kitchen. Um, I just decided to make soup dumplings, and I had to make it work. The the kitchen was not designed to make soup dumplings, but he really wanted it, and he loved it. And um, I personally did not love soup dumplings because I did not find any that I love. And um, but yeah, like we started making them like nine months ago, and I think we're pretty good at it. And and mine are the only ones I like to eat. I like yours too. Thank I think you. they're really tasty. And we're in Park Slope, which is not a neighborhood known for Chinese food. No. Or really any food. Well, it's starting to change. Yeah, totally. It's, it's really starting to change. Um, we. Um, I we've been here for for six years, and I really wanted to bring good Chinese to the neighborhood. Um, our mother's made from Brooklyn, and and we, you know there's there's no good Chinese, and all my customers are telling me there's no good Chinese here. You know, like thank you for for coming here, and they really embraced me. Um, so yeah, that that was the goal to bring good Chinese to Brooklyn. Thank you. Yeah, you've been here for six years, but yes. the restaurant opened pretty recently, right? Yes, uh, nine months. But um, it feels like nine years. Well, this is your first restaurant, right? It is. Um, I started in Smorgasburg. Um, I started uh, with a little noodle stand um, 12 years ago. And um, I finally fulfilled my dream of opening my own restaurant. Well, you were doing something more buttoned up and professional, if I remember correctly, before you were doing noodles. Um, yeah, like so, I started in, in finance. I gra- graduated. I started in finance, but I always loved food. Um, so I decided to take the plunge. I, I was working in finance. I went to ICE full time after work. That's the Institute of Culinary Education. Yes. In downtown New York City. Yes. Um, so I enrolled in the culinary arts full time. Um, graduated. Um, didn't do any kind of food for a couple years until I stumbled upon Smorgasburg. So why'd you go to culinary school? Because you... I always like love food. Like I was always Mama's little helper. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, I, I was helping her cook. I washed her cook. I was helping her prep. So I was always her little helper. I was always drawn to it, and I loved to eat. Um, yeah, just something that you know. Um, something that I was always drawn to. Uh, and so you started selling noodles at Smorgasburg. What kind of noodles? Uh, I started Dan Dan noodles. Um, originally, when, when I started Smorgasburg, I, I came up with a different idea, which they rejected. Um, but, you know, I, I gave it another go. I, I didn't give up. And um, I decided, you know what, let's, let's go with noodles. Something, you know, that's something that I ate growing up. Um, yeah. What, what was your other idea that they didn't like? Oh, it was um, it was like a pastry thing, like an egg puff. I'm not a baker, but there was this like street food of um, egg puffs that mm-hmm. I really loved eating as a child, and, and I wanted to do that. Um, yeah. Smorgasburg said no. Smorgasburg said no. 
thankfully, because that was not really like a sustainable thing. It was really hard to make, um, and it was hard to make like fast. At, at, at Smorgasburg, you have to make things fast. And it's and these are like kind of custard pastries, right? Like cu- so little, very eggy. Like, yeah, little eggy. Egg, uh, egg, I forget what you call it, like egg puffs, egg, mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And they're sweet, but also eggy. Yes. So yes. Specific. Chinese kind of flavor. Yeah, and it was it was not easy to make. So you said noodles. And, and I said noodles because I love noodles. I grew up who, eating noodles. Who doesn't? I know. It, I eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh yes, all, all over the world, people exactly. like their noodles. Um, and so, how did you come about then going from finance to opening your own restaurant? Well, it took a long time. Um, I almost gave up. Um, so it, it took 12 years because um, I was at Smorgasburg for, for 12 years and the, the na- next transition I thought was a restaurant I really always wanted it that was my goal and I really almost gave up uh, but then COVID hit and um, I, I tried to, to give it another go I, I looked at some spaces and it turned out that I was able to afford it and it was only because of COVID the rents went down there were a lot of vacant spaces and uh, the opportunity opened up, and I just took the plunge. Well, and Smorgasburg is just a weekend job anyway, right? It's like a, like a weekend festival of It food. is. Um, Smorgasburg really helped me, um, in many ways, help my business. Um, you know, how, like running it in the beginning, it, it was not very easy, but I learned from the job. Um, so every season, I, I try to improve on the previous season and how I, you know, and to progress. Um, as a small business owner. Um, what's great about Smorgasburg is I was able to work full-time. I was able to have a family, have my child, and still do Smorgasburg on the weekends and not give anything up. Really? Well, I mean, you gave up your weekends. That seems I, like I, kind I, of, yeah. <laughs> I did have to give up my weekends. That was like a really small sacrifice. Um, but I really love food, so... Well, and that's good practice for running a restaurant because you give up your weekends and everything else. It, it really, really is because, um, and, and also like learning on how to run a business and, and you know, you just, you know, just think about like the food, um, how to transport it, how to uh, prepare it, um, how to store it, um, how to sell it, how to market it, how to get the right people to run the shop. Um, you know, it's, it, it was a really good learning process, and it really helped me open the restaurant successfully. And the investment, I would think, is quite minor for Smorgasburg. Smorgasburg, what's great about Smorgasburg is um, it's very low investment, very low risk. Um, you don't have to give up your day job. Like, I did not have to give up my day job while I was doing Smorgasburg. I was in finance for eight years um, and doing Smorgasburg at the same time. Um, so... Yeah, that's that's what's great about it. You meet a lot of people. There's a lot of different food. You meet a lot of different folks from all over the world. Um, so, that's yeah, great. I know. And so you, how did you, you, you mentioned that thanks to COVID, mm-hmm. there were a lot of vacancies, rents were down, so you could do that. But you yes. still said you almost gave up opening a restaurant. I did almost give up. Um, I had some personal issues in, in life that... Um, that really, you know, I, I thought I couldn't do it. Um, and I almost gave up. Yeah, it was just hard. Just thinking about it. I'm sorry. Sorry. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, a stressful thing, and it yeah. requires a huge financial commitment, emotional commitment, all of that. Yeah, it's just like, um, you know, like opening the restaurant is just, um, has been a roller coaster ride for me. And, um, you know, I, 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 want rest, I want people to know how hard it is to run a restaurant and how hard it is to open um, your business. Um, and for me, um, it just, yeah, I, I almost gave, I, I thought I couldn't do it. And, um, and I proved to myself and other people that I can. That has to be satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I in, in the process, I, I learned a lot. Um, I I matured a lot. Um, yeah, I'm just every day is a learning experience for me. Can you think of some examples of challenges that you uh, had to overcome? Oh my gosh, with opening the restaurant. Um, uh, the challenges. Um, so many because um, first, like as, as a new business owner, um, opening a brick and mortar, uh, you come across a lot of people who don't have your best interests in mind. And I, I learned that um, you have to ask a lot of questions. You have to take matters into your own hands. You have to understand the contracts that you're signing. You have to read through it. You, you really have to understand the whole process because when I started, I, I worked with an architect who who kind of really took advantage of me and I, I lost a lot of money in the process. I lost a lot of time. Um, and she wanted me to do all these crazy things with the build out. Um, she wanted me to do like a sprinkler system, which sounds really simple, right? But I didn't have to do it, but a sprinkler system is actually really, really complicated because it requires digging into the ground, um, making this uh, compliant, and then you have to fix the whole building to make it compliant, and I don't own the building. So it, it was really, really crazy. She was trying to like just dig me into, you know, get me into this like rabbit hole of trying to like um, fix everything to, by, to what do you call it? Um, to co up to code. She was mm -hmm. trying to get me everything up to code when I'm not the building owner. And it would have cost me hundreds and thousands of dollars. And I think I would have never opened um, had I not met a couple people who stepped in and said, no, this is not right. What she's doing is wrong. You don't have to do all those things. Um, so, yeah. So that's that's not your job. It's the landlord's job, it sounds like. Right. But I, it didn't need to be done. It oh, turns okay. out it did not need to be done. Um, so I, I, I learned about the construction code um, myself, what needed to be done, what didn't need to be done. Um, so, I, yeah. So just finding the right people is key. And then also learning um, that the city is a very complicated process oh, yeah. the city is really complicated that's why they say if you can make it in new york city you can make it anywhere because the city literally makes you jump over hurdles and and they make everything as difficult as possible um so building out this restaurant it took me a year and a half almost or, or a year and four months and the reason was because i was working with a fire suppression company that did not know what they were doing. It was crazy. I mean, this I was not their first job. They'd been around for many, many years, and yet they were not able to get me 
to get inspected by the fire department. It was insane. So after so each after four four revisions, so each revision takes about two months waiting for the fire department to come. Each each revision. And after four revisions, I said, Liam, what is going on here? So I really I took matters into my own hands. I did not know that I can contact the government agencies um, to ask what the problem is and to submit the proper paperwork. I did not know that. So I started I just called the fire department, I started asking lots of questions, and um, I figured out, I, I got the person who was in charge of um, my application. I spoke to the guy, he told me what he needed from me, I gave it to him directly, even though it was the fire suppression's company, that's um, job, and I did it myself. And then I, I got it inspected, and then after a month later, I was able to open crazy it, it's, it's insane it's literally insane and and luckily um because of my finance background i was able to afford mm. all the delays um now i can't afford anything anymore but i was able to open the restaurant otherwise i think i would have been screwed like literally not open shut down bankruptcy but you made it i did make it and i'm like really proud of myself um because you know life has not been easy yeah, especially the past few years, it seems like. Oh my God, it was, it's just insane. I'm just like, sorry about that. I've heard that it's actually even harder to open a restaurant in Los Angeles, but I'm not sure about it. Really? No, I don't think so. Well, it's even harder opening a restaurant as a woman. I would very much appreciate you telling me about the extra challenges of <laughs> being a woman. Because I'm, I'm neither a woman nor a restaurant operator. No, so. um... Well, I, yeah, so I did not really think it would, I knew like being, opening the restaurant was very, very hard, but I really had no idea what was in store for me. Um, it's, it's much harder than I have ever imagined. And being a woman, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to find chefs to take me seriously and, and to execute my vision. Um, they look at me like this little lady that I'm, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so a lot of my chefs, they're old school, and um, they just used to their old way, old way of doing things. And what I want to do is, I want to elevate Chinese. I, I want to, and I tell those guys, I'm like, there, there are no rules in cooking, you know. Sometimes we have to improvise. We don't have to do things the old way, like all the time, you know. We're in a different market now. Um, yeah, like they don't think I know what I'm talking about. They don't think. I know what I'm doing um, because I'm a little lady and they don't take me seriously and they don't think I'm an authority. So how did you overcome, like, how did you get chefs who would listen to you and Well, I, <laughs> I have a line of rotating chefs. Um, I, I, I think um, during the interview process, you know, I, I asked them um, key questions. Um, about how they feel about working for a female owner, a female chef. Um, what is their approach to cooking? Um, I, I try to uh, evaluate their personality, um, you know, to, to see if they're a, a good fit. When these are Chinese chefs? These are Chinese chefs um, who are very, very old school. 
But you also come from a Chinese restaurant family, right? Or your your aunt is involved with New York Noodle Town. Do I remember that correctly? Oh yes, yes. So my my aunt um, worked at New York Noodle Town for I think over thirty years, maybe probably forty. And um, now the the owner passed on the restaurant to her and other employees. So um, she's not running the day to day stuff, but she is the part owner. And one of my really good friends um, also inherited uh, Wohop. Oh, from the owner. Yeah, that's a big name dim sum place, right? Wohop is it's not dim sum. It's oh. a Cantonese food on Main Street. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, they're one of like the oldest Chinese restaurants in, in Manhattan. Um, yeah, it's it's an institution. They're around. People love them. And and if you if I remember correctly, the owners of those restaurants they did a good job. They raised their kids, and you know sent them to college and taught them how to be professionals. Or, you know, and they and so. They didn't have anyone to pass the restaurant on to. No. Hand it to their employees. Exactly. I mean, those were the pioneers, and mm -hmm. I was inspired by them, uh, which is why I have paintings of, of those restaurants and Chinatown streets on my wall, just you know, just to pay respects, uh, you know, to to the great restaurants that came before me. That's nice. So how's business? You've been you've been doing this for nine months. I've been doing this for nine months. Business has been growing. Um, it's been steadily growing, and um, the neighborhood really seemed to be embracing us. Um, yeah, I had someone who told me a customer. He's a regular customer who told me that I was Michelin star worthy, and I was like, Oh my God! I I can I can. I'm satisfied. My life is complete. Um, I'm, you know, that's um, it's, to me. That's such an honor. Like I did not think that I was worthy, and for him to think that um, just you know makes me really proud of myself. I mean, the food is delicious. It's beautifully prepared, and you you're in such a nice setting. You got blonde wood, and as as you said, you got black and white pictures of old Chinatown mm -hmm. restaurants and stuff. Um, so, you have lived in Park Slope for six years. Where did, where did you grow up? Um, well, we moved here from China when I was um, young. I was, I was six years old and we moved here from China and we moved straight to Flatbush. So, yeah. Um, Not a lot of Chinese people there at the time. No. I, so, I, I mean, I've been in Brooklyn all my life. We, we grew up in Flatbush, my family and I. Which is the deep heart of Brooklyn. That's the deep heart of Brooklyn. I, we, I was probably one of two Chi Asian Chinese um, kids in school. Um, I, you know, really had to adjust. I, I didn't know the language. That was really hard. Um, yeah, and I, I look different from everybody else. Um, that was not easy. So let's talk about the menu. Oh, okay, yeah. Tell me about it. What, what's on your menu? Uh, my on my menu, um, well, there's some classic Chinese dishes like the general soes, the the lo mein, um, you know, favorites that everybody knows and loves. And then there are also uh, new items like the mala dry pot. 
um, which is very bold, spicy, and flavorful. And um, trending here in New York City. And trending, exactly. Um, and I also have the pickled fish, which is one of our signature dishes. Um, a, a dish that, that was made by this restaurant um, in Flushing um, that has since closed. And, um, and I thought they made... That dish was the best dish. It was, I called it the greatest dish of all time because it was so good. They made it so good. It was so well balanced. It was spicy. It was sweet. It was savory. It was just everything. And um, so I make that version of it in my restaurant. And I, I think I'm pretty close. I, I think it's pretty good. And people um, who come here to try it really love it. Yeah, you, you fed it to me last time I visited, and okay. I thought it was delicious. Oh, thank and you. flushing, in case there are members of our audience who don't know that, that's in Queens. That yes, is that's sort of yes. the heart of uh, Chinese civilization in Queens. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and uh, so, also, you have a lot of noodles. I have a lot of noodles on the menu. Um, noodles is very Cantonese, so I have like lo mein, I have pan fried, I have noodle soups. Um, I have the classic chow fun, which is the wide noodle, uh, pan-fried. Um. And uh, what, what do your customers tend to gravitate to? Oh, I forgot about my dandan dan noodles. Oh, your dandan dan noodles. My dandan dan noodles. Signature. Which is my signature, right. Yes. That's how everything got started. Uh, the customers love the dandan dan noodles. They love my cold peanut noodles. That's like another smorgasbord signature. Um, and then when they come in to try the signature stuff, the classics, they sometimes try my other signature entrees like the pickled fish, the um, Sichuan beef, stuff that they never heard of, stuff that's not offered in Park Slope. And they get so surprised by it and they love it. They love like the explosion of flavor, they love the, the uniqueness of it. Yeah, as you said, uh, Park Slope is getting better as a restaurant neighborhood. Yes. We have you. We have the Indian restaurant, Masalawala and Sons, yes. that's part of the Unapologetic Hospitality Group, very um, top of mind among New York trendy people. Mm -hmm. uh, have you been to Bangkok Decree yet? The I have. Delightful twice, Thai restaurant. Twice. It's a great restaurant. Bad name, Bangkok degree. Yeah, but, I like. I passed by. I'm like, what is it? I don't. I don't know what it is, but the food is delicious. Yeah, very good Thai restaurant, which yes. we did not have in this part of Brooklyn before. No, but now there we are lots of Thai restaurants here, but not a good one. Correct. So I, I think they're doing what I'm trying to do: bring good Chinese to Park And the feedback's been good. The, the, the feedback's been great. Um, you have the one guy who thinks you should be a Michelin chef. I, I have the one guy, and That's then I, I also have somebody, multiple people actually, who literally said, and I quote, uh, I, I've been waiting for a good Chinese place for as long as you're alive, to me. So these guys have been in the neighborhood for, they, for as long as I've been alive, and they've been waiting for a good Chinese. And, I came along. Well, good job. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a Chinese neighborhood, really, just a neighbor to, neighborhood and a half down in Sunset Park. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I go out and explore and look for food, and I don't get to Sunset Park very often just because, I don't know, mm -hmm. it's just uh, just far enough that I, I don't go to Sunset Park very often. No, but you know, also I'm a little bit different from Sunset Park. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm trying to be a, a little different. Um, 
I'm not. Uh, uh, Park is great. There's a, like a lot of variety of food, but you know, for, uh, and it's very regional. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you go to a restaurant and they specialize in, in one thing. But for here, I've got multiple um, regions. I've, I've got the Sichuan, I've got the Cantonese, I got the Shanghai with the soup dumplings. Um, and I'm trying to like elevate Chinese food. Um, Quality ingredients, um, modern atmosphere, you know, just something different, not um, a mile long list on the menu of items, um, trying to curate it more um, and, and just offer items that I feel are, are that balance each other, um, dishes that balance each other, like some mild, some spicy, and some Well, your technique seems to be a little bit different, or, you know, the to me, the preparation seemed a little bit more precise, maybe, than uh, what I'm accustomed to in right. sort of Sunset Park, Flushing, New York, Chinatown mm -hmm. kind of restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, where, where did that come from? Is that from your ICE background or your it, family it, or what? It, it came from my own obsession because um, I'm obsessed with food and um, I'm a professionist when it comes to food. Um, I really try to perfect everything. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good answer. What, what, is there a specific development process? Like do you feed your food to the, your son and get approval from him? Mm -hmm. Yes, he's, he's, um, he's my little guinea pig and so is my husband. I've turned them into foodies. Um, yeah, sometimes if, if my dish is off, my son will tell me, Mom, I think something's a little off, and he's nine. Yeah, well, nine-year-olds are not subtle or tactful, so no. that's useful. <laughs> that's handy. In yeah, a, that's, in a, that's very handy, and, and the fact that he could taste the, um, that something was off and, and you know, not balanced, um, I, I think I, I taught him well. Good boy. Yeah. And... Um, how how are your soup dumplings doing? Because they they really are delicious. Uh, the soup dumplings are a top seller. Um, I, I you know I, I'm really proud of myself. I just started making soup dumplings nine months ago, and um, I, I think they're pretty good. So what people ask me this a lot, and I don't really know the answer. What is the trick to get the soup into the dumplings? Is it all gelatinized or how does it oh, work? Well, the trick is is it's a long process. Um, we, we boil our soup. Uh, with bones, with mm. um, and you simmer it for over six hours, um, and um, we cool it, we strain it, we cool it, um, and then we weigh it. So with the soup dumplings, everything is very precise. Everything needs to be weighed, um, and then we make everything from scratch. Um, the, the meat, we mix it with spices, and the soup is all from like a bone-based broth. Um, put it in the fridge, dice it up, mix it all up, and then put it in the steamer, and it melts. Because it's a, a broth made with a lot of bones. With a lot of bones. Obviously, it's, you get a lot of gelatin and stuff. Right. It's, it gets, yeah, you need something that's very gelatinous, yes. So it's almost solid. Yes. Basically solid, and then you wrap it up in the dumplings, and then they melt. Yep. And yep. magic happens. Yes, and it's a long process. So you've been continuously working on your menu. You, we were experimenting with brunch last time I was yes. here. How's that going? Yes, um, I'm, I'm still working on it. Um, Cause you know, I'm a one person show. 
um, and it takes longer for me to do things, and I, w I want to do it right. Um, so I, I think it's going to take another month or two before I um, start the brunch. That's cool. Yes. And um, what what plans do you have for the future? Just keep running this restaurant? <laughs> Not ready to expand yet, maybe? Um, well, you know, my mind is always racing. Um, I, the plan is to, to start brunch. I would like to expand little noodle, next door noodle lanes everywhere. Um, I'm always updating the menu. Um, yeah. When Chinese New Year is coming up in two months-ish, you going to do anything special for that? I love Chinese New Year's. I, I think we're going to try to um, offer something, like something different. Um, like a different dumpling, because, you know, dumplings be dumplings on Chinese New Year. I'm gonna yeah, they're good like luck, Chinese right? Chinese dumpling on Chinese New Year. And I was thinking maybe of getting, like, the dragon dancers over, but we'll, we'll see about that. Dragon dancers are fun. They, they are the lion dance. Right, yes, yeah, exactly. Lion dance. Yeah, I guess technically fun. they're they're lion dancers, but they look like dragons. But they look like dragons. They're yeah. lion dancers, but they look like dragons. Yeah. So I get confused. Yeah, there, there's like a they're like a mythological creature. I forget yeah. what kind. Some sort of lion dragon or something. And, and, and they bring good luck. Yes. Um, what what Chinese New Year's coming up? What's it going to be the year of? Do you know? I can't remember. No, me neither. It's all right. I, I don't remember. We'll find out. I'm like, no, I don't it'll remember. be all. I don't even remember what it is the year of now. Me either. It's okay. I'm so consumed by the restaurant, I have no idea. Yeah, you're busy. I'm very busy. There's always something to do. Yes, always. I, I think our audience understands that because they operate restaurants too. And I want to thank you very much, Lane Lee, for taking the time to talk with me and to feed me these delicious dumplings. I'm going to have the last one. I was going to offer to share with you, but I didn't because I'm eating them myself. Thank you, Brad, for coming. Um, and it was my pleasure talking to you.